Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode. So last week we talked about what it's like to be a godly woman and we sort of reflected on the ways that us girls grew up in the church and maybe even were affected as young adults and the ways that we're sort of being affected now from those conditionings. And this week we're going to talk to Joe about how to be or how it was to be a godly man. And as we were preparing for this episode, we came across an article um about a similar topic, uh, not just being a godly man, but being a godly husband. And we were reading through it and it kind of like brought light to the way we used to feel. And I don't know if you're like us, but sometimes we forget how serious we were about the topics. Mm-hmm. Like we, we forgot really how in depth they were a part of our lives. And so we kind of like to read these articles now and then because it really demonstrates like exactly how we thought. And so this article is from crew.org <laughs> and it, it illustrates how we, how I think mostly how Joe grew up, his, how his home church thought about being a, a man or a godly husband. Yeah. And then how obviously crew felt about it and talked to us about it. And then, and then even like, how our last church before we left the faith thought about yeah, being a man. When I was a Christian, this is what I thought it meant to be yeah. a man, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's called the six tips for being a godly husband. Yeah. But like I was just saying to Katie before we started recording, I think that it applies like directly to just being a man in general, mm-hmm. especially because if you are like me, I think a lot of Christian guys kind of think their purpose is to like have a wife mm-hmm. and lead her and maybe have kids. Yeah, you and were like kind of run brought, your household. You were brought up to be like a husband, right? Like you were pruned to be that way. So, like this list would apply to you even if you were a single man. Which is actually a little bit of an interesting thought because I always felt like I was going to be a husband, or I wanted to be a husband, mm-hmm. and I wanted to have a wife. But I always felt a little bit like guilty about that because the Bible says that it's better if you don't have a husband, if you don't have a wife. You know, how Paul talks about Mm -hmm. how, like, if you can go without having a wife, then it's much better to do that because you can serve God better. Mm -hmm. So, like, while I always did want to have a wife and I really wanted to marry you and really Mm -hmm. wanted to have, like, that whole experience of being in a relationship with a woman, I felt like that's kind of a carnal pleasure. And I have to take this route because I'm not strong enough to be a real, like, Christian Mm -hmm. follower of God. Mm -hmm. Because you were so, like... um. I don't know, like you loved, I feel like the Bible was such like a literal thing to you then. And I think that like to other Christians, just the way that the culture was in the Christian culture was, it was like, it was beautiful to have like a marriage, you know, but like if you were super into like what Paul was saying in the New Testament, I think that, which is what what you you were, (laughs) you were super into Paul. I feel like then you would say that marriage is like, is weak. Yeah, Yeah. right. It was like a weakness to have to get married. Yeah, that's so that kind of sucks. Sets yeah. you off for a great marriage yes. off the bat when you're like, <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to settle for being married, even though God would rather have me not be married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, this article is about six tips for ge- being a godly husband. And I just wanted to read off a couple of these because uh, it was kind of shocking what I used to believe. So n- tip number one is love God more than you love your wife. <laughs> um. This is an issue <laughs> off the bat. I mean, I like without even reading this description of this, I felt this so much that like the whole point of marriage, and I think it even says it in this article that the whole point of marriage is for me to become more like Christ. Mm-hmm. Like marriage isn't for 
the people in the relationship. It's only purpose is to honor and glorify God. So like, yeah, off the bat, I'm supposed to love God more than I loved you. Well, and even that I'm, I was supposed to love God more than you as well, but I was also supposed to obey you. That's really confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So let's read this description. Yeah. Okay. So the the author says, after three years of dating Marianne, we began to talk about marriage. A little while later, we broke up. I was devastated. While praying one night, things became crystal clear. Marianne had become an idol in my life. I cared more about what made her happy than what made God happy. It was as if God was saying, you will have no other gods before me. And if you put something or someone else in my place, I will remove it. That part, I have to say, like, struck a chord in me because I used to think that since I loved you so much and I made you, I thought that I was making you an idol. Yeah. That I thought that God would kill you. Yeah. I remember I, talking about that. I was scared that. that you would be taken from me, like, like your mortality. Like, you, you would just die. Like, God was going to teach you a lesson mm-hmm. because you cared about me too much and yeah. you didn't care about him enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. he would use your death to bring me closer to him. Yeah. I was really, really scared of that. Yeah, totally. I, I feel like this, what he just said is really accurate in terms of the way I used to think Mm -hmm. about being a man, because I felt like to be a godly man was to be in complete, like subservience to God and to the obedient, like to obeying God, to following the Bible. But I also thought that part of being a godly man was to like, be a really good husband to you. Mm hmm. And for me, that was really, really difficult. I think we'll probably have an entire podcast episode about this whole concept of balance in Christian life. But Mm -hmm. this specifically was really hard because on one hand, the Bible is saying that I need to love God and put him first Mm -hmm. before anything else in my life, like devote myself to him. All my thoughts should be about him. On the other hand, I'm supposed to be a good husband to you, yeah, which is Mm -hmm. really difficult when... I'm supposed to like have this other person that I love more than you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was an issue. (laughs) Well, also, I mean, I think that relates to the, um, the metaphor that people use that you, that, that you're married in a way to Christ or that he is the bride, that Jesus is the bridegroom, you know, and it, in a way, like we are married, you know, to jesus i mean we're in this marriage with three people and like one of them is the head and but you are also the head the physical head but like i'm also humanly head a of servant our, to him yes yeah. yeah it's it's just really confusing it's it's really hard to balance like who's getting the attention it's almost like yeah. i mean we've said it before it definitely is a third wheel it's that you have to like look out for yeah jesus this this other person I think like even even more than this having to do with marriage, my idea of a godly man was a man who put God above everything else in his life. Yeah. And I think I like in some ways I did that. I took that really seriously mm-hmm. and I really tried to do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for me, God was above everything else, including you, which mm-hmm. like sucks to say that. But I feel like that was my intention was that God would be higher than anyone else, higher than my family, higher than my career, higher than my happiness, higher than my fulfillment in my life, mm -hmm. higher than anything. It was always God was what I was going after. And anything else in my whole life was unimportant compared to that. Well, I respected that and I supported that. Yeah, right. I know. It's weird. It's weird, (laughs) weird situation being married as a Christian. Um, the next thing on this list of how to be a godly husband is to be a spiritual leader. 
It says, Your wife probably came into the marriage with some idealized image of you two beginning each day around the breakfast table with some fresh-squeezed orange juice doing your devotionals together. She imagined you leaving for work and saying, I'll be back this evening, and we can have more devotions again. Okay, all right. <laughs> Did you feel that way? No, I feel like this part is really insulting. I know. <laughs> then it goes on to say, about a month into the marriage, your wife was probably thinking, what happened? Reading the scriptures and praying together is so important. Um, okay, so this puts a lot of pressure on a godly man, but I felt this. Mm -hmm. I felt like as a godly man, I was supposed to be a spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. Not only in my uh, relationship with you, which I, I especially felt like in my relationship with you, I needed to be a spiritual leader, but also just in general. I, I don't know how all you other guys felt, but I kind of got the impression that when I was a Christian, that the role of a man was to be to like move through your life and become a better and better Christian so that eventually you could be a leader that would help to like guide and counsel maybe younger people in the faith or get more and more involved in church. Like the progression of um, being a Christian was constantly getting more involved and constantly moving up higher into higher leadership ranks. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt that totally. I think like there got to be a certain point when I, before we signed on with crap, on staff with crew, craft with crew, um, I started to feel like, okay, my faith, my faith is really important to me. I'm taking it really seriously and I'm going to have to start like leading other people in it or like yeah. teaching it to other people. It wasn't enough to just have a strong faith in God. I felt like as a man, as a godly man, my mission should be to start teaching to other people, mm -hmm. start leading other people, not only evangelizing, but also like mentoring younger Christians and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I think I actually kind of had a shift at some point where I started like posting on Facebook more and like started kind of preaching <laughs> from my Facebook statuses mm -hmm. a little bit more and started being more vocal about things and started trying to like become a leader, mm -hmm. uh, which doesn't sound all bad, but it also put me in a really weird place where I felt like I needed to be in complete subservience to God. And I also needed to be a really strong spiritual leader, but I also needed to be super humble mm -hmm. and like not think anything of myself and not claim to have any knowledge for myself, but only what God has given me. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, it's just kind of a really like confusing place to be in. Well, it's confusing. It's another area where it's really hard to have that balance. I think yeah. as, as just as a person, right. Um, yeah, we talked about it a lot, like just trying to be meek, but also being strong or being a right. servant, but also being a leader. It's yeah. just like when, like, obviously they tell you like, okay, you need to be a servant to God and servant to others, but also like a leader to others. Yeah. And it's like, it's easy maybe to say it, like to tell someone that and like to put it on paper. Oh, here's where you're serving. Here's where you're leading. But like inside your brain i think like it kind of gets all messed up and yeah. it, like it leaves you feeling more like two people and not really knowing who you are right absolutely you know? it's one of those things that seems like on paper it, it kind of sounds like an interesting concept like um the idea that like a true leader is the most humble or like you know that kind of an idea mm -hmm. it sounds good and it sounds really um admirable mm -hmm. and maybe it is in some ways i mean even as i'm thinking through it i'm like that sounds good no, that there, sounds right you know there is some truth to it that you like if you're a leader you don't want to be like dominating overly, everyone yeah, yeah. You, you have some humility but, but on like, the other hand i think you need to also have some self-respect and like yes. trust in yourself and mm -hmm. believe in yourself if you're going to be a capable leader 
that's going to actually help anyone do anything. You need to like believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. So that actually leads perfectly into the next point. Mm -hmm. Number three, uh, being a godly husband means that you lead with humility. It says that, um, Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. So here, that's Liter- a perfect, literally better. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect example of how, again, how I felt, um, how, how I thought that you needed to be a godly man mm-hmm. was that I needed to consider other people better than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't think there's necessarily anything like evil about this, but it also leaves you in a really confused place. It left me in a really confused place. Because again, on one hand, I'm trying to build up my knowledge and I'm trying to become secure in my faith and trying to understand my position in God's eyes and start to teach people and start to be a leader to other people. But on the other hand, I'm supposed to not think anything of myself, not do anything because of my own ambitions, which was difficult for me because Mm -hmm. when I started to like get into leadership or start to help mentor other people, I realized I really love doing this. But I felt like I was sinning because I loved doing it. Because you loved being in a leadership yeah, position? Yeah, right. And I I loved, I liked being in a leadership position. Who doesn't? Like, mm-hmm. you know, who who doesn't like having a little bit of authority and like having people look up to you and look to you for answers? I loved that. Mm-hmm. I'm free to admit it now. I don't mm-hmm. think I ever would have admitted it then. Because at the time, I felt like I shouldn't be like getting any personal enjoyment out of this. Mm-hmm. Like this is becoming pride for me. That I'm, yeah, it I'm was becoming too prideful. prideful. I need to just be humble. Mm-hmm. But then how do you be... But then how can I lead anyone if yeah, I'm, like, if you're, like, so just like, scared? Yeah, so scared, <laughs> so meek, so, like, you know, I don't know, like, kind of that body posture of being, like, hunched down, yeah, like, shoulders right. in, and, and just, like, kind of, like, timidly looking out of yeah. the corner of your eye. You know, please, I'm not prideful, please don't look at me. Exactly. I don't know. Like, I, I think nothing of myself, I only think of God. But, but how you do should you come lead over from here and I'm, I'll get, I'll teach you some stuff that I know. If yeah. you want to, if you want to feel the same way oh, I but feel. I'm not, oh, I'm, I'm nothing without Christ. But, <laughs> right. But yeah. come over here and I'll teach you and you could feel this way too. Yeah, it, it's it, really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really hard time with that. It, it's really hard for me too, because I think maybe I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like the thing or one of the things that you were attracted to in me was that I was like strong and confident in certain mm-hmm. areas. Mm-hmm. I think I think anybody is attracted to confidence in another in another person. Yeah. Um but I felt like I needed to be as humble as possible yeah. and as meek as possible and never do anything for my own enjoyment or my own ambition. And so I felt a big like disconnect there. I wanted to be an attractive person for you and I wanted to be an attractive person for myself, like someone that I was proud of and could look up to. But on the other hand, I felt like I should be being like really meek and mm-hmm. small and giving all of the glory to other people and to God. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that was, it was attractive to me at the time, but like it was attractive because I was told that it should be attractive. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the things that we realized coming out of this was that I'm so much more attracted to you now that you don't have to be that way, that you don't have to you know, give all of the credit to someone else of course. that you can be more confident and you're not serving anyone. Right. Like, I don't know. That doesn't mean that you're like so prideful now, but it just, it like takes this shadow yeah. away from you. And like, 
just I think that self love is so attractive, super attractive, and, and I never really had experienced it. I think that I <laughs> we've look, never seen anyone love themselves. I think before, I think so. looking back, I I have, but I didn't know what it was, yeah, and I was right. like, why is that person so confident? Yeah. Why am I so attracted to them? And I think it was because that they just loved themselves. Yeah, right. And and I don't know. Yeah, that was a big realization. Yeah, like no, like when that dropped off. I was like, wow, I like, you're cool. Like, yeah. I like you a lot. Like, right. I like you like this. You seem free. <laughs> yeah. You know, like not. <laughs> My own person. Yeah. I'm not yeah. Like, yeah. Cause I was going to say there's, there's a difference between serving other people, which I think is obviously really admirable yes. and something that I'd love to do. And I, I think is really attractive in other people mm-hmm. when they're serving, you know, they're humbling themselves and putting themselves maybe below other people in order to serve them. But that's different than your identity being someone who's less than everyone else and your identity being someone whose main goal in life is to be essentially a slave to this authority that's over them. Mm -hmm. That's very different than a self-assured, confident, capable person who's an individual who chooses on occasion to like serve others. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's very, a very different thing. And I think when I was Christian, I had a hard time differentiating between those two things well, and the, I think the Bible like calls you to the one that's like total devotion, total yeah. surrender in every breath. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it's very different. Um, yeah, so I felt like I needed to be totally surrendered, totally humble, totally small beneath everyone else mm-hmm. um, in order to be a godly man. Um, but 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 it says that number four, I also need to have godly courage. Okay. Yes. 1 Corinthians 16.13 gives a clear definition of biblical masculinity. It says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. Okay, so we talked about this a lot before. This isn't this is like I know the answer to this question, but like wasn't it confusing to have to be strong but yet be meek? Right. It was absolutely confusing to be strong but to be meek. Yes. That <laughs> like how does it apply? When it when tore me apart. Yeah. Honestly, because I I was really drawn this is the other thing. I was really drawn to Christian men who seemed really strong. Yes. Um I was just talking to someone in the Facebook group about this guy named Maddie Montgomery, who's the lead singer of a band for today, like a Christian death metal band. And he was like a a fire and brimstone kind of preacher like at the concerts he'd be like yelling and like declaring god's truths and you know super strong like he came across super super strong and very pointed and direct um the same thing with paul washer i think his name is he was another preacher and i don't remember what church he was at but i would listen to some of his sermons on online and he was again like very very strong and like shouting super powerful speaker like very very um confident in what he's saying and in the way that he understood the bible Mm -hmm. uh same thing like aw tozer was like super strong really all these guys that i looked up to and Mm -hmm. all these theologians and these like christian men that i was kind of trying to follow in their footsteps were like passionate strong courageous powerful men Mm -hmm. so on one hand I aspired to be like those guys. That's how, I mean, that's how I wanted to be. Yeah. On the other hand, when I started to act like those guys, I started to feel like, whoa, I'm being really prideful. Okay. I need to, I need to like back it off. I'm being too much of like a showman or I'm getting, I'm getting too much like personal carnal in quotes enjoyment Mm -hmm. out of this because I really like the feeling of people like looking to me for answers and I love giving them those answers. 
What did you think of those men? Did they? Did you feel that they were that way? I, I felt like those guys must have a better understanding of all this so that they can live in the balance between the two. Okay. I always felt like I was the odd one out who like couldn't understand how to live both as like a super powerful, confident, courageous, strong Christian leader while also being a meek, humble, like everyone is greater than me type person. Mm -hmm. I never, I don't know. I just, I, I never could figure it out. I felt really confused and that really bothered me. And I Mm -hmm. think like practically throughout my Christian life, I kind of swung back and forth between maybe two extremes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I would be really like preachy and really strong and feel like maybe even stronger in our marriage and our, in our spiritual walk together. And other times I would feel like, Oh, I don't, I don't know anything. God is the only one who has the answers and the authority and I should be more humble. So yeah, I don't know. I I, I couldn't figure it out, but it really tore me up. I, I talked to you about it a lot mm-hmm. back then. I talked to like the elders at my church about that. I talked to your dad about it a bunch. Like just how do you, what is the balance here? Do you remember you know? anything any of them said? I never felt satisfied in any way. It, it was like, you should pray to God and help show you the balance okay. or like, I feel like that is the answer that you get a lot of times that you have problems. Yeah. Which is that answer is basically like, I don't know. And I don't want to try to help you figure it out. Go like, go to your room and think about it more by yourself and maybe it'll come to a conclusion. Well, it's more, well, I mean, to their credit, it's more like if you have one thing that you trust above all others, then why not go to it all the time? Oh yeah, of course. But if it's not like directly speaking to you, it can be hard to be a young person who would just love some practical help. That, yes. I I always craved like actual practical advice. Like how do I actually practically in... 21st century America with a job and a career and a wife and a family and a house and hobbies and interests. How do I live as a Christian? I always yeah. wanted practical advice because well, God you... doesn't give you anything practical. Yes. Well, the book is from 2000 years ago. So it's not talking about you having a desk job, you owning a house, you mm-hmm. know, having like a modern family, going out with friends to like right. Applebee's. And like, you know <laughs> what I mean? You... Like, you would always ask, we would talk about this all the time, you know, like, how am I supposed to live for God minute by minute, you know, day by day, if I'm just doing, like, this normal life that everyone else is doing? Like, everyone else goes to a job, you know, a nine to five job. Everyone else, like, mows their lawn. Everyone else, like, has to go, you know, visit their parents for, like, dinner and, like, I don't know, like, do yard work on the weekends, whatever. I can't, you know, just regular life. How, like, how, how do I glorify God? I think that you, we were always looking for something way more radical. Yeah. You know, right. Totally. That's how I felt. Because we were, because we were unsatisfied. And I think that we are constantly, and I think that you as a man was constantly scared to be lukewarm. Right. Well, I was. You I wanted mean, to I, be a man, like power, like strong. I wanted to be all the way in. Yes. Yeah. And that's what my, that's what I aimed for. Mm-hmm. Um, the last part of this section about having godly courage, it clears everything up for us. Okay, it says, hear. and the essence of courage is to have such a great fear of God that you fear nothing else. So basically what it's saying, you shouldn't have courage because you trust yourself or you trust your own strength. You should have courage in this external force. That way you can still remain like a humble baby, but you can still be strong because you have like a strong lion God that's invisible, but he's going to take care of you. Wait, oh my gosh, wait, read it one more time. Read it one, read it one more time. <laughs> the essence of courage is to have such a great fear of God that you fear nothing else. 
Okay, so are they using fear in two different ways in the sentence? I think so. So are they saying you, fear of God as in reverence yeah. of God so that you, you know, You're not reve- afraid of anything revere else. or don't, so that you don't fear anything else? Right. So. Because the other option is like, you're so terrified of God that you can't even focus on anything else to be scared of it. Yes. I can't imagine they're using it that no, way. No, no, no. But it's That's just strange. Way, it's just, I think it's a strange a choice of word. Yeah. No, um, totally. I mean, this is just some guy writing on the crew website. So, so <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know. I think it's, it's like, I think everything, like every kind of like practical I don't know, article we ever read about like how to be a good Christian is like that where you read it and you're like kind of wondering like, but what does that mean? Like, how do I like practically yeah, live it out that, day yes. by day? What does that mean? And actually, I, we, like we were talking about this like recently that I think we always wanted to have like practical ways to get better at things. And, it, you know, it was always like, okay, pray or read your Bible or go to Bible study. And it was like, okay, yeah, I can see what you're saying because that's like the basis of our religion. Like we pray to this God who's yeah. supposed to have all of the answers. And, oh, yeah, like I do feel like a little bit of healing. Like I do feel a little bit of freedom in the moment. But like, wait a second. Here's this problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, next day. Here's this problem. Dang it. It's not gone. Like, yeah. I, how do I deal with this? Okay, pray. And then it kind of like you forget about it. And it's kind of dis dismissive you keep dismissing all of your problems and now like you just started having a a coach you have a coach now so you have coaching calls every week we're reading books and it's like finally that this like scratch this itch i mean is scratched that we are getting actual practical advice on how to deal with like how do i deal with like when i you know i don't know like don't know what to do with my life or how do i feel when I feel really insecure yeah. or all it's of so these great things. to be able to have problems like that and explain it to someone. And they say like, Oh, here's some super practical things. This practice of inner critic work is going to help your insecurity because of these reasons. And your brain works this way. Psychologists know this. And so this technique will be great for that. And you'll be able to see measurable results quickly. Oh, did you so know? So freaking practical yeah. and so helpful. Finally, you know, I know, like when I was a Christian, I'd have those same questions and it's like, oh, well, that might mean that your identity is in yourself and it's not in Christ and you should pray about it. That doesn't mean anything. Like no. you go and pray about it and maybe you feel some sort of relief because you're like, you think you're actively doing something, but it's not actually well, doing anything. Well, because you kind of go then, meditate a little bit. Yeah. You're quiet. Yeah. That's a little bit of a tangent there. But yeah, it's so amazing that outside of Christianity now, when we have problems in our life, we can easily get super practical, actionable advice mm-hmm. and like help for our problems mm-hmm. instead of just dismissive, ambiguous, like instructions to go pray or go do whatever. Yeah, it's night and day. Night and day. Okay, next one. A godly husband needs to be a provider. It says the husband should bear the primary responsibility for the financial needs of the home. In fact, 1 Timothy 5.8 says, if a man fails to provide for his household, he is worse than a pagan. That is not the kind of reputation I want to have in the community. What the heck? So. All right. So once again, (laughs) so once again, how do you feel? How do you feel with this? How did you deal with this pressure on you all the time? I expected my whole life. I grew up to expect that this is how it was going to be. So it never felt like. There was never a time when I like heard this and had to all of a sudden take this pressure on. Mm -hmm. It just kind of like from the time I was a little kid, I always knew that I was going to be the one who is like the provider for the household. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
there wasn't a moment of pressure, but that pressure existed all the time. And I felt like I felt it. Mm-hmm. I felt it often. I felt like I needed to get a certain job because I need to provide for the household. And I felt like even if I hate my job and like hate doing what I'm doing for eight hours a day, I, it's my duty, my like eternal spiritual duty to do this work because my job isn't to enjoy my life. My job is to provide for my family. Mm -hmm. So again, it kind of fits in with everything else that like, um, I need to set aside like my enjoyment my fulfillment, my desires in my life in order to serve my higher calling, which is my calling to God. And in this case, it means I need to provide for my family. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't think that there's anything wrong with one person in the relationship being like the primary moneymaker for the family. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that there is something wrong with it always having to default to the man and the man just having to deal with that pressure and not being able to like ask for help, you know? Yeah. And I think it's like (laughs) bad when you're saying that, like, if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than a pagan. Yeah. What in the world is that all about? Because that, I mean, I feel like most Christians wouldn't think that's true. Is that like, is he talking about like, if you abandon your family? No, it's all about context, Katie. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Excuse me. (laughs) But Um, yeah, so that, that pressure was real and practical. And I think like the town and the society we grew up in, it's kind of expected that the man is the breadwinner, at least when we were younger. I think that that stigma is changing a lot, mm -hmm. like in the culture, but, um, not according to the Bible. The Bible is supposed to be the provider. I mean, the man in the Bible is (laughs) supposed to be the provider. Uh, and that was what I expected of my life. Yeah. I feel like when we were talking, you said that, and this goes along with it because you said that you always have to be extremely disciplined at all times. And like, how did that affect just your regular life? Like, how did that affect like having, having fun or, I don't know. That is a good point. Discipline. (laughs) Actually, if, if there was one, one like aspect of, uh, godly manhood that I felt like I latched onto more than any other was discipline. Mm -hmm. I felt like I needed to be a disciplined worker in order to make enough money to provide for my family. I needed to be a disciplined leader and always kind of keep track and keep tabs on where your spiritual life was because like you were responsible for me. Uh, vice versa. Sorry. I was responsible okay, for yes. you. <laughs> you were like my duty to take care of you, mm-hmm. you know? So I felt that I felt that pressure and it's a lot of pressure. And it's not that I didn't like the responsibility of it, but like how in the world can a person be expected to fully express their self and fully grow into who they are and like fully express their masculinity or femininity if they feel like they have this eternal calling on their life to be responsible for another adult. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's not fair to you, Mm -hmm. you know? But yeah, discipline. I felt like I needed to be the most disciplined in my Bible study and in my prayer. Mm -hmm. I felt like a man was like a strong, unshakable force of discipline and of consistency and of like knowledge and all of that. All of those things are good traits, I think. But I think that they become toxic when that is what's like expected and required of you. Because when you, when you fall short, as you inevitably will, and Mm -hmm. as I, as I inevitably did, you don't just think, oh man, I should try to be a little better, or maybe I should adjust my schedule so that I can be more disciplined with this. 
instead of that, you think, oh, I'm like awful. I'm mm-hmm. sinning. Mm-hmm. My, my identity like is a Christian man and I'm not living like a Christian. Mm-hmm. I need to go. I need to pray and ask forgiveness to God for this sin that mm-hmm. I've, I've committed against him because I didn't read my Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's super toxic. Yeah, it's not like you're you're not responsible anymore for just your own spiritual health. You're responsible for mine, for yeah, like the woman's, right. you know, especially, I mean, in a marriage or yeah. like a relationship. That's like what you, it, um, that's expected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like if I say I got on a good streak of reading my Bible, if I started, if I missed a few days, not only did I feel like I was sinning against God because I, for whatever reason, I put my a couple extra hours of sleep over him mm-hmm. sleep was becoming my idol so i couldn't i wasn't reading my bible felt awful about that but in addition to that i felt like oh now i'm like not an admirable man and mm-hmm. katie isn't going to follow me you're not setting an example i'm not setting an example i always felt like i needed to be setting an example mm-hmm. for you um and that's just in our home life once we got into st- staff with crew and I had like several younger uh, college students that I was discipling and working with. That level of pressure went through the roof mm-hmm. because you know the Bible says that like we should follow Paul as he follows Christ. And like for me, I felt like I'm following Maddie Montgomery as he's following Christ, or those kids at Crew, they're following me as I'm following Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, me missing a few days of Bible study, maybe that's not a big deal. But at the time, it felt like this is a huge deal. I'm Mm -hmm. letting myself down. I'm letting God down. I'm letting Katie down. I'm letting the guys down who are following me. I'm like not being an example Christian. Mm -hmm. And I need to repent for that. Mm -hmm. And I felt that pressure. It it crushed me, you know? I know. Discipline was a huge like issue. We Discipline talked about daddy. it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Would you say there's a new daddy in town? A new daddy in town. A I'm discipline, my own daddy. <laughs> Discipline daddy. <laughs> okay. I was waiting forever to say that joke. Oh my gosh. You're just oh. saving it up for so long. <laughs> okay. So all of this stuff was just a, a crap ton of pressure all the time to be a certain way. Like we were saying earlier, I felt like on one hand I had to uphold my image as a Christian leader. I needed to be super disciplined and really consistent with my Bible study because not only was my own spiritual life dependent on it, so were, so was yours. So was the kids who I was leading and crew. Um, and it just became really toxic. It's, it's impossible to maintain perfect consistency in like anything, you know, and Mm -hmm. especially in this, when you're trying to read like the most boring book ever, every day, same thing over and over again, it's inevitable that you're going to miss some days and that you're going to slip up or that you're going to like look at porn one day and then feel awful about yourself. And each of those things took such a toll on my view of myself. Like it really cut down my identity. It wasn't just a little mistake. It like cut me to the core of who I thought I was. Um, and just kind of further perpetuated the low self-esteem, low self-worth view of myself that I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of self-esteem, self-worth, let's talk a little bit about emotions and kind of how they pl- played or didn't play a role in your Christian life. Like, do you think that it was acceptable for you to have emotions? If they were the right emotions, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I felt that anger was, for the most part, was sinful mm-hmm. because I felt like it was... Um, 
yeah, it, it was like negative and it was violent and I should be slow to anger and I should be loving and peaceful and mm-hmm. kind. Um, unless it was like something super Christian that, or a super like unchristian that I was mad about. Oh yes, Like yeah. if somebody was doing a really bad sin, <laughs> then, then yeah. it was maybe good for me to be angry. Um, well, like, like that's why I think like some Christians think it's okay to be angry, angrily protesting like abortion yeah, like, or right. like clinics yeah. but because they feel the right to that. That's like where anger is deserved. Yeah. And then it's holy anger or something. Um, I felt like it was not, it wasn't right for me to worry. I felt like worrying as a man was sinful because, oh, yeah, I didn't know this. Hmm. Because I needed to be a strong leader for you. Hmm. I needed to be like a bastion of strength and someone that you could depend on and lean on, not only spiritually, but just in our relationship. I felt like that. In addition to that, I felt like worry was a sin against God because worry, if I'm worrying about something in the future, that means that I don't trust God. You're not trusting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of pressure to not worry about things. Mm-hmm. So when you naturally worry about stuff coming up in my life, not only would I feel bad because I was worried about those things, I would additionally feel bad because I felt like I'm also sinning against God and I'm not being a very good Christian because I have, because I'm even having this worry. Do you think this is why? We like are constantly so in our heads all the time, monitoring oh, every maybe. one of our thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, how as can I'm you hearing not? you talk about this, yeah. like you're constantly worried about like every tiny little emotion that you feel, yeah. and that maybe possibly you're sinning against God in it. Did you feel like? I think like. Did you ever feel that if you were ever sad or depressed, that was also a totally, sin? Because yeah. you're not like, you're not, you know, you don't have the joy of the Lord. Like you're maybe absolutely. not saved if you're not happy or whatever. I had this experience where I went to this. Bible study, this like big men's Bible study in my hometown. Mm-hmm. There were like 40 or 50 guys and we'd go to this barn. And to me, when I first started going, it felt like this is exactly where I want to be mm-hmm. because these 50 guys were super committed to God. Like they were all really fundamentalist. A lot of them went to just these two churches in my town that had really fundamentalist beliefs and stuff. Um, and all of these guys who ranged in age from like 18 to 70, were so passionate about God. Mm -hmm. They like really cared about following him. Exactly. All of that. And so, um, where, what were we talking about? Emotions and sadness. Oh yeah. Yes. Right. So anyways, uh, there was a time I brought your dad with me Mm -hmm. to that Bible study because I had been loving it so much. And at that Bible study, your dad was talking to the leader at the end and was asked, saying to him, like, I don't feel joyful. I don't feel the joy of the Lord. I don't feel like happy or it's really hard for me to feel grateful. Cause you know, in churches and stuff, they tell you like, you should feel so grateful for what Jesus has done for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and your dad was saying to that guy, like, I have a really hard time feeling that joy. I feel depressed. And the Bible study leader who I respected so much because to me, he was like the image of a great Christian man said to your dad, you must not be saved because Christians are filled with the joy of the Lord and you should pray to God and ask that he come in and fill you and give you his joy. Did he say that exactly like that? Did he falter? Did he like have like maybe? Did no, he say maybe? absolutely. No, because the other part of that is that this guy who I looked up to was a very strong like leader. He he spoke very confidently about what he believed the Bible to say. Uh-huh. So he said that to your dad and I was like, 
felt awful for bringing your dad in the first place because that's like the worst answer if you know he's been a your dad's been a christian for 40 years or whatever and then comes into this bible study and this guy is like oh you're not actually and he's like oh hi like as a human i'm reaching out because i'm actually depressed yeah can you give me some help oh let me just like make you a little bit more scared and say that you're probably not saved right like that is like exactly that makes me so mad like my my dad poor dad oh i like almost want to cry like i i love my dad so much and like if you're in the church and you're like hearing that kind of stuff, you're not getting helped. Like if you have like clinical depression or if you like just like are stuck in in a way of thinking that makes you feel like kind of sad every mm-hmm. day. We talk about this all the time that your mind like can just learn or be addicted to just certain behaviors right. that like if you relate to the world always like as charlie brown when he's like walking away like do 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 like if that's how you see your whole life then like that's how you will see everything that happens to you it has nothing to do with your salvation no it just like has something to do with your brain right so to long answer to that question yeah i felt like if i was sad or if i was depressed that too was a sin against god because it meant that i wasn't grateful for what god has done for me Mm -hmm. so i another one would be um like expressing my need to be cared for. I have always had a really hard time expressing to you that like, I would want to be like loved or held or like cared for Mm -hmm. because in my mind, I was always supposed to be your leader. Mm -hmm. I would, I wasn't supposed to ever need anything like neediness as a Christian man was a no, no. Mm -hmm. You do not want to be needy. Even just like wider than that. Culturally, it's not acceptable for a man to be that. But I think that even there was that extra bit of pressure as a man in the church that like you got what you needed from God. Yeah. You got what you needed from God and then you sent it down the line. Exactly. That is exactly it. Yeah. So like, you're getting this, what are you getting from God? Like now we know that we weren't getting much, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, and, well, that's the frustrating And like, thing. at least I have you who's giving me a physical, like, I don't I know, can, attention. I you you hug least. me, yeah. give me real advice, like all of that. And I, and it's not that I didn't ever, we didn't ever like talk or I like, I didn't ever give you love, yeah. but like, like where you I don't know where you like went to, like the source of where you went to get that was God. And yeah. you didn't think of coming to me and telling me all spilling all of your problems because that would be weak right that's that's what i felt if i were to come to you and like spill my worries to you or come to you and be like i feel so just like down today and i really just need like love Mm -hmm. i would never do that because i felt like that is not my duty as a christian Mm -hmm. man i need to be strong i need to depend on depend solely on god not on anyone else not on anything else i need to depend on god and be a strong person that you can lean on or a strong person that the men under me can lean on. And if I have struggles and if I have worries and if I'm feeling bad, then I just need to go to God. It's, I always felt like if I'm having a bad time in my life, like if I was feeling extra worried or uh, particularly depressed or really down about something or really needy, I would always feel like it's because I'm not like, I wasn't consistent enough reading my Bible. And so I haven't been meditating on the word enough. And that's why I'm feeling bad. Mm -hmm. Or like my prayer life is off. And that's why I'm feeling bad. Or I've been struggling with lust a lot lately. And that's why I'm feeling so bad. It's like it's evil from the world that's getting in and messing me up. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm feeling so needy. Um, And so anytime I had any problem as a Christian man, I felt like it's my fault. I need to go back to God. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting. Oh, it's so you were so exhausting. fundamentalist. I was. I totally was. 
You were, I, the, I you mean, were an like, amazing leader in Christ. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it almost killed me. And it almost <laughs> killed us, you know? Yeah, totally. And I, it's, it's so frustrating now. And like looking back at it all now, it makes so much sense why at this point in my life, I feel like I need to unlearn living my life out of my brain so much. Like being so caught up in my thoughts all the time and being so guarded of my words all the time and being so guarded with what I share with you or with other people and so guarded of what feelings I'm allowed to feel. Mm -hmm. um, it was just so constricted. Yeah, exactly. I, I needed to force myself into this really unnaturally small box so that I was subservient and humble before God. But I also, within that box, needed to be a really strong and courageous and powerful leader mm -hmm. and lead people. And also, if I had any questions with that, I couldn't really go to many other people for it. Or if I did go to other people, they would just direct me back to God. So that wasn't super helpful. It's just a crazy, constrictive, binding, confusing, dark, lonely place to live your life from. Yeah, it is. It's it's so crazy. I want to talk a little bit more about that Bible study. When we were talking about this, you were telling me that, you know, it kind of like goes back to the balance, like balance mm -hmm. of between being strong and meek. Like yeah. you were saying, like you said that there was this one time that, that everybody was sort of like crying out to God. Oh yeah. And yeah. I want to kind of hear about that. Yeah. So another part of being a godly man to me was being as righteous as possible. And so for me, I was really preoccupied with sin or rather preoccupied with avoiding sin. Mm -hmm. And I think like with a lot of guys, that is like lust. Mm -hmm. I don't know, as a man, I'm really attracted to women and well, I think that's like a really popular females. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, yes. it's pretty natural. Wait, but, you are? <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, it it felt super unnatural. Like any feelings I had of attraction towards a woman I felt like it was my evil carnal side of me that was trying to come through and derail me from my Christian walk. Mm -hmm. So that, that in and of itself is like a nightmare scenario where I'm just constantly fighting against my own nature, mm -hmm. thinking that my natural biological instincts are evil and sinful mm -hmm. and constantly having to push that down. That's another topic. But so, yeah, at that, that Bible study I was talking about before, a lot of times we would talk about our sins and like what we're struggling with. And I think many of you guys who are listening to this um, will relate to this, that we always talked about sexual purity. Mm -hmm. Like that was the, the cornerstone sin that like every man struggled with as a Christian man. Um, and there was one Bible study time, which this was probably pretty close to the end of our time in Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I remember going to that Bible study and we always had a prayer time. And during this prayer time, the guy, a lot of the guys would get down on their knees and like bow down in, in this barn. We'd all be on our knees on the concrete floor, praying to God and all like taking turns, praying out and stuff. And I remember specifically looking around during the prayer um, and someone was praying and they were weeping and crying to God to help them with their sexual sins. Wait, but is he that guy not saved because he's feeling sad? It's confusing. The rules change whenever you want them to. Oh, okay. So, All right. Yeah. All right. So, um, I I opened my eyes and I was looking at this guy who was as he was praying, and I was mm -hmm. looking around and seeing all these other guys bent over, like weeping and on their knees. And I thought to myself, every week we do this. Every <laughs> single week, 
Yeah. All 50 of us are on our knees, literally on our knees on this cold concrete floor, crying out, like literally crying out to God, sometimes shouting and like weeping out loud in these really like expressive, drastic ways because we're so passionately wanting to follow Christ. And we're asking God to save us from our sins and take these sins away from us. And looking around that room, for some reason, something clicked where I thought, I do not admire these men. Yeah. I don't admire these guys. They're, they're in their forties and fifties and some of them older and they have families and they have these Christian legacies behind them. And like as a human, as a person, as a man, a masculine man, I do not respect these guys who are like weeping on the floor to this invisible God to give them assistance so that they can stop looking at porn on their computers. Yeah. That- it's so, it was so freaking like pathetic. Yeah. And it was, I don't know why it, dawned on me at that point but i had been that i had been that way my whole christian life i had been that way so pathetic mm-hmm. like instead of me going and like actually getting help with the things that i struggled with mm-hmm. i would just always think oh woe is me i'm struggling with this sin again oh mm-hmm. i am not a very good christian i, I need to pray more over and again, over same again. sin same sin the same sin and these guys same are struggling cycle. with the same sexual purity issues for 30 years crying out to God over and over again. And I just felt like I do not want to be like these guys. Mm-hmm. If I, I remember thinking if I get to be 50 years old and I am in the same position where all these guys are right now, I am going to like, what will I have done with my life? That's some good insight. Yeah. And I stopped going to that Bible study then. Do, was that, that the last time? Yeah. Because I was just such a rude awakening. I could never see it in the same way again, because up until that point I had, gone to that Bible study and I observed the other guys like crying out and being so emotionally taken over by their devotion to Christ and Mm -hmm. them bowing down and stuff was so moving to me and so admirable to me. And I loved it. I felt like this is who I need to be as a man is like totally surrendered to Mm -hmm. God. But that night, for whatever reason, I just felt like I, this is not admirable. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. And was it more than just like not being, not being admirable, but like, how, like how are we going to change or like who's, who's free from this? Well, so that's another part of it that mm-hmm. led to my deconversion down the road, but was that I realized that these guys, these men had been outstanding Christians doing everything right. And they've been praying to God for years to help them stop looking at porn on their little computers. And God can't even help them with that. Yeah. So that, that is kind of a separate issue, but that was a big deal because mm-hmm. I was like, what the heck God, like you command us to be holy and I want to be holy so bad. Mm-hmm. And every freaking day I'm praying to you multiple times a day, begging you to help me to be holy. But for some reason you're just like not helping me or you're testing me every day and like. It's the thorn in your side. Yeah. It's so, it's just like so stupid and confusing and it, it I don't know, at a certain point, I feel like I just woke up and looked around and I saw these guys who in my mind were these strong, powerful Christian men. And I realized you guys are not strong. You know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. as, I don't, it wasn't as clear cut as that Mm -hmm. at the time. It's easy for me to look back on it now and Mm -hmm. say, this is what I thought. But like, at the time it was just like, oh, I, I don't want to be like these guys Mm -hmm, anymore. mm -hmm. I'm, I'm headed down a weird path Mm -hmm. (laughs) if I keep going to this Bible study and if I keep relating to God and to my own life in that way. Mm -hmm. I think that's a thought we had recently. And I wrote down in my note um, that 
I'm I'm glad I don't have to be a loser anymore. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah. my God, that is that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was called to be a leader and be strong and be a powerful person that you would be inspired to follow and other people would be inspired to follow. But I also felt like I was commanded to be a loser mm-hmm. in the eyes of the world, and I could never reconcile how to do both of those things. Yeah, it's 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 like impossible. It's it like is impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> Yeah. So all that being said, um, I don't know if you had any other questions or not, but I feel like that is a pretty good summary Mm -hmm. of the turmoil of trying to be a Christian man in this very real practical world that we live in. No, I Um, mean, it's like even hearing you talk about it, like I really, I really enjoyed this conversation today because I like forgot a lot of these things that you remembered. And I, what's really cool is knowing you then and knowing you now and the freedom that you have and just how you've become truly yourself. Oh my God. And just like a regular person, like you're just able to be (laughs) a person now, you know, not like try to fit into any role. You can be strong still. Like you can be masculine. You can be feminine. You can be whoever you want to be. I don't know. I can just be. Yeah. Finally, I can just be. We can figure out who you really are, like what your strengths really are. I don't know. It's been such an incredible, beautiful process since leaving the faith, Mm -hmm. like learning about the different options and deciding for myself what masculinity means to me. Mm -hmm. And for me now, masculinity means freely expressing the deepest parts of who I am Mm -hmm. in every moment. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful to me. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I don't, I'm not holding anything back. I'm not scared to express things because I might be sinning against my invisible God. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of the things I struggle with. I don't, the mistakes I make, I don't consider those things eternal sins against my creator Mm -hmm. i just made a mistake and my mistakes are great because i learn from them Mm -hmm. and i can change my ways in the future and you know what i have the power to change how i act and Mm -hmm. i have the power to change how i think i don't need anyone else to change me fundamentally from the inside out i have the power to do that Mm -hmm. and it's so fucking amazing that i can embody my own masculinity and choose how to live how I think a man should live mm-hmm. and express myself how I think a man should express myself. And it's just such a an empowering, beautiful, wonderful change of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Okay, that was beautiful, Joe. I Thank feel you. inspired and I'm not even a man. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you guys like this conversation today and you want to talk more about it, you can... Find a discussion about it on our Facebook group, um, our Patreon, or our Instagram. Uh, when this comes out, we'll be posting this episode there. Uh, and we'd like to thank you so much for participating in our podcast with us and coming along this journey. It's crazy. It's so crazy. We love you guys so much. <laughs> we love you so much. We're so thankful that we're all on this ride together. Because yeah. it's a really weird difficult, confusing journey, but I think there's also a lot of beauty to be found in it. And we've experienced that with you guys so much. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Bye.